Welcome to 20 Minute Tabletop, a podcast sharing the love of all things tabletop gaming in bite-sized pieces. I'm your host, John Wiki, here today with my co-host, Stevie. Today, we're recapping our weekend at QuestCon Orlando, Central Florida's premier tabletop, board game, and wargaming convention. If you want to hear more about the convention's origin, check out episode 14, where we talked to the founder of the con, Carlos, and got a detailed rundown of this year's event. While this isn't a game-based episode, let's still start with some first impressions. This year, I was really excited to see what new and expanded offerings the con had with more days, a new location, and a new partner with Crucible. And if you listen to the other episode, you know I had a lot of excitement going into this event. It was exciting to be a part of something like this and seeing it in its growth, which it really was this year. So let's talk about the length of the convention and when it was running. This year, the convention ran Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the end of September. So the wargaming and RPG area had long hours. They ran from 10 to midnight on Friday, 8 to midnight on Saturday, and 8 to 6 p.m. on Sunday. Now, we didn't stay until midnight, but pretty much any time we were in there, we saw constant games running in the wargame area. So if you ever just wanted to see what that kind of play was like, it was perfect for that. We actually did that when we first got there. We walked around so we could see, and they had Warhammer, they had Lord of the Rings, they had Star Wars, they had Marvel. They probably had a lot that I didn't even know the names of, because I'm not really big in that area, but it was awesome to be able to see that. The same goes for the TTRPG space. Though it wasn't as full all the time, I almost always saw a game going on when we walked by those rooms. The wargaming room was neat because as we walked around, you could kind of see the different setups they used. And the in-game scenery was really cool and detailed. And it was nice to be able to walk through there and check that out. And Friday when we walked through there, one of the guys who was getting ready to play Star Wars actually asked the kids if they knew anything about wargaming and if they liked Star Wars and stuff and pointed out a couple of cool setups to them that they should go look at, which I thought was really nice. And my impression is that that wargaming community is really inclusive and open to kind of like sharing their passion with other people, which I really appreciated. Yeah, we watched the Marvel one at one point, TJ and I, and they were playing there and TJ was just watching for a little bit and then they kind of asked him a little bit, asked him a question here or there, and he goes, well, what's that giant building for if you can't do anything with it? It goes, well, you actually just missed us throw this building at those characters over there and held up a smaller building. So it was kind of cool. Just every single one of them having all this set pieces to go with where they are playing was just so cool to look at. And with some of the games, they had very recognizable scenes. Like we're walking around and TJ goes, oh, look, that one's made like Hoth. Oh, look, that one's like Mustafar. Oh, that one's like this. And just being very recognizable was also a lot of fun. Right, like the Thistletop set up for Lord of the Rings and things like that. The scaled down version of those scenes and that that scenic art was really awesome to see because it's just all very well done and very artistic. The vendor hall was open from 12 to 8 on Friday, 10 to 6 on Saturday, and 10 to 5 on Sunday. We'll talk more about the vendor hall in a minute. But one of the things I liked about the con this year was the hours that they set. It started a little later Friday and a little earlier on Saturday and Sunday, which was nice for people who might be, you know, taking a half day from work that are local or like us who need to work on getting kids up and out of the house in the morning. So I thought the hours were flexible and well done this year. 
So I think it's a good time to jump in just what we enjoyed about the convention. I really, really enjoy this convention. It's focused on the local community. It has a lot to offer. And the team is working hard to balance the con's growth with that local focus. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, I really enjoyed all the new things that we're offering there in the expansion and kind of seeing how it really felt like an organic growth of what we had last year, expanding it out, but not trying to jump too big too quick with too many different things. Now let's get into some details and let's talk about my favorite, the vendor hall. I mean, I can't say favorite. They're all my favorite, let's be honest. But last year, the vendor hall at the old location, the space was crowded with narrow aisles. And I think QuestCon did a great job addressing this at the new location. The aisles were nice and wide. It looked like the vendors had larger booth spaces. And there was a huge variety in the type of vendors they had in their space. Yeah, that space made it great for just walking around, browsing, not having to squeeze by people. There are over 60 plus vendors that were there. They had all sorts of artisans, artists, local game stores selling books, minis, painting. There was a nice mix too because you had a mix of people there who were tabletop for the board game side, for the card game side, for you know tabletop RPGs. And then because you were also paired up with Crucible and the Wargaming, you had a lot there to offer for building your armies up and those side of things that were all kind of mixed in between with all the vendors. And it, it was really cool having a nice diversity of stuff available there. There were also several game creators that were demoing and testing their games over the weekend, both with RPG modules, which I think I saw one or two of, as well as just brand new games. We're working to set up interviews with some of these game creators, but some of the ones we saw there were Lumen Void, who we've mentioned offhand in the past. That's one of Sam's favorite card games. Topo Dog, who created an arcade, Recamac, and 8 Bit Rummy. So, like a vintage arcade feel to their games. And Tia was there with Flower Garden, which we purchased last year and is in our stack of things to be played. I also really enjoyed all the different vendors you had for RPG accessories. So, I love all the dice creators, all the dice trays, the dice towers, and seeing all these different styles and way of creating dice. There were so many beautiful dice there. And I love my Liquid Core dice from Roll with Adventure. Liquid Core Fireball, and it's perfect in more core colors from the podcast. So, there were different ones with different inclusions, different colors. You had different materials being used. It was so cool to see so many different types there instead of just like, sometimes you go and you just see a lot of dice, but like they're all very similar, just slightly different colors. Whereas there was a lot more uniqueness here in the dice, which I absolutely love. Yeah, like Smoking Glue Guns has really cool inclusion type dice, whereas Black Oak Workshop had very unique designs to their actual dice, including a Christmas light dice, tentacles, a rut row dice, which was TJ's favorite. And many others. So there definitely was a lot of variety. And I think everyone could have come away with something that they were looking for. And if you want to know what we purchased, go ahead and check out Stevie's underscore games on Instagram, where I've been sharing all of the amazing things we found over the weekend. And you can find links to a lot of the creators' social media accounts on my Instagram there. Also, not really a vendor, but had a table there, was the Roll Together Foundation. And I love this because they had games that you could purchase to donate to Girls Inc. Sarasota to help them build out a game library. So we were able to pick one, whichever one we wanted from on their table, 
pay for it, and then it was getting donated to them to have their own game library. And Roll Together Foundation is a new 501c charity that's looking to make the world better through the love of tabletop and board gaming and aiding those in need. Working with Girls Inc. Sarasota is what they're currently doing to help them out build out programs there and libraries to learn and be able to play games and enjoy those and spread the enjoyment, which is something that obviously we love and are always about trying to spread that enjoyment. Outside the vendor hall in the lobby, there were several cosplayers in attendance. Magda Alexandra, Murder Doll Ivy, Ivy Cosplay, and Vanilla Wombat. Vanilla Wombat had a homemade clone trooper costume as well as a 3D printed full-size battle droid that was so cool. He actually even kind of showed us how he takes it apart to transport it because TJ was really interested in how he 3D printed a full-size battle droid. There were a number of people over the weekend with great costumes as well. So attendees who dressed up either as their original characters, their OCs, or as other characters like you would see at a comic convention. It wasn't as costume heavy as other like pop culture conventions, but there were some really great fantasy costumes there. I saw several druids, a couple tieflings, our kids each dressed up as their original characters at one point during the weekend. And I'm hoping that we'll get to see a growth in the cosplay at this con, especially in that fantasy realm, because you just don't tend to see that as much at the pop culture convention. So I think it's something that's really unique to QuestCon. I loved seeing those outfits around because I love seeing that, even if it's original or from movie, from game, from actual place, I love seeing those kind of fantasy inspired costumes that I guess about the best other place you see fantasy ones are generally like at a Ren Fair. So it kind of had that flair of that look and feel and I love those costumes and I love the details people put in so it was really cool to see different people's work that they worked on in that realm and you don't like you don't see them at the comic conventions as often. So let's chat about the lending library that they had. So the Haven Games was running a lending library. They brought their entire lending library from their store in Castleberry, Florida to the convention so that anyone who wanted to could try out a game for free. They even had staff on hand to help you learn the games. Over the weekend, we played Unmatched Marvel Brains and Brawn, Flamecraft, and That Time You Killed Me, all of which were new to us, and the staff from the Haven helped us to learn. One of the afternoons, Sam and I actually sat down to play Carcassonne as a break, and there were actually several games in their lending library we were already familiar with. So in addition to learning new games, it was really nice to be able to pick up something we were familiar with as well to sit down and say, hey, we know this isn't going to take more than 30 minutes, but it's a nice break from the hustle and bustle of some of the other things that were going on. And it gave us something we already knew how to do at that time. So it kind of gave us a mental break because we didn't have to think too hard about how to play it. With learning some of the games, it was great because TJ sat down and learned Brains and Brawn with them, played through a whole game, and then later in the afternoon, he and I came back and we picked it up and we played it together because I kind of watched as he was learning. And we played it together, had a fun game there. I think we actually played it twice. And then we also came home with the game. So it was a great way to kind of try that game out, see what it was like, see the mechanics, and you know, come home with a new game because we absolutely loved playing that one. Episode 14, when we interviewed Carlos, at the end, he recommended Flamecraft, and I did notice that The Haven had a copy of Flamecraft in their lending library, and Matt himself, the owner of The Haven, taught us to play that one, and that was a really cute, fun game, and 
I'm certain we will be doing an episode on it in the future because that's one that everybody really loved in our household. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I think you called it, what, cooperatively competitive? Like you're helpful competitive? Competitively helpful. Competitively helpful. So you're all trying to do together and you work together, but by helping other people, you get higher score. And it was just a fun, cute little game. The art style was there, but there's a lot of fun strategy to it on how you could layer things around. So that, yeah, that was a great game. And I'm sure we will do an episode on that one because it's just so much fun to play. And finally, That Time You Killed Me is another one that TJ kind of spied and was like, hey, I want to learn to play this. And I learned to play that with him. And it's basically like time travel chess, but only with pawns. And there was definitely a lot of strategy. It was definitely like a sit down and think about this quite a bit. And we only played the first iteration. There are actually more things to add into the game later. But because we only played that first iteration, that was like enough thinking for me because I burned out on that after two games because you have to think literally in like three dimensions because you have to think about the time travel as well as the pawn moving portion. And they also had a nice thing where they had a giveaway going on. So if you bought games from the Haven Games, you got a ticket that they did a raffle at the end of every night. And if you didn't win, it would carry over. If you weren't there Friday night, it would carry over to Saturday night. So it was really cool that they had given away a couple of games at the end of the night as well as an extra thank you. And who doesn't love a good giveaway? I mean, we do because we won one of them. Hooray! Also in the large hall with the Wargaming, they had classes for painting minis with Donnie Dynamo. Sam and I did take that class Saturday morning and we both really enjoyed it. We learned a lot in those 90 minutes. And it was nice to be able to learn two different ways to paint because we used acrylics as well as speed paint and they behave differently. And Donnie took us through both the acrylics and the speed paint and we learned a lot about both types of paint and how they can be used and what you can do with them. And not far from there, there was also a free paint intake with two thin coats from Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. And they had a ton of minis you could try out their paints which are all acrylic based and honestly sam spent most of the day sunday there because she found out that she loves painting miniatures oh yeah she just spent her whole time there bouncing between the two tables between that table and if there were open seats for the learning she jumped over there and would paint with donnie again and just kept going back and forth so she found a new hobby that she absolutely loves And I like that they offered it because, again, with the Wargaming, you have so many minis and you also obviously run into those in RPGs if you're playing in person. So I thought it was a nice addition of something that is tabletop adjacent that a lot of people want to try with like what you would call kind of low stakes, right? Because if you screw it up, it's not like you're screwing up your own mini. You're just screwing up this little sample one that you're going to take home that was provided with the class. So let's talk a little bit about the tabletop RPGs. This is an area I love, and they had a lot of games going on there. Yeah, I saw listed from the Crucible signups, they were running Pathfinder Society, Starfinder Society, D&D 5E, specifically through the Adventurers League. They were running Advanced D&D through GrogCon, as well as some Candle Obscura sessions and other ones like the Blades in the Dark game that John ran. Yep, I personally ran a Blades in the Dark session, and I had so much fun. So if you're listening to this and you play that game, thank you so much for making an amazing time. I had four or five people who had never played the game before, which is love because I love introducing it people to the game because I love it so much, and it's unique in its own way. 
They had such a fun time. They had the cult of John cannot pronounce barrier clearly. All in fun, all in jest, but I tried to talk to them about the lightning barriers, and I didn't say it quite, and they all heard lightning bear. And so they became the cult of the lightning bear and had an absolutely crazy score that they were successful. I'll put in quotes. You know, not only one person fully filled their stress bar, but they had some amazing resistance roles and some amazing time playing. In three hours, we created five characters, collaborated to create a crew, ran a score to completion, and even did payout and XP. That's how easy and fun it is to pick up this game. And if you want to learn more about it, you can check out episode 11 of our podcast where we talked about Blades in the Dark. Because again, I love this game so very much. And the kicker is that episode about Blades in the Dark, we didn't even fit everything in that we enjoy about it because we just kept going. Like that episode easily could have been an hour all by itself. Oh yeah, I, th- I think I have a rough 50 minute supercut of that probably lying around somewhere. Yeah, that definitely was not a 20-minute tabletop day. That was definitely a 40-minute tabletop kind of day. But it was great because you had all those other ones that you could run, like I said, with Pathfinder and D&D with Adventures League. And all of them were ones that people had sheets. So you didn't have to come up with a character already made. You could just play one of the pre-generated characters. There were people there ready to learn, ready to teach you. And then you had people like me running some of the other games so that you could experience some of the other stuff that was going on and the other systems that are out there. So it was kind of a nice variety there. And they had the pre-signs up, but a lot of them were kind of open leaning into the game. So you easily could have found a spot and jumped into a game. If you didn't plan ahead, you could still jump into a game and go, okay, where, what do we have going on? Oh, I would love to jump in right there. Yeah. And I will say that signing up for the RPGs and the painting classes specifically were very easy because everything was in the same place. It was all on the Crucible sign up section and locating a game you wanted to play and signing up for it was not difficult, especially because all of the RPGs were free. The painting classes were free, included with your, you know, admission, obviously. But Other than the tournaments, like all of these things were included. So it's a great value for what you're paying to get in. One other thing to add in, there was a VIP lounge. So if you had the legendary pass like we have, or you bought a VIP ticket, there was a little lounge off to the side that was a nice little quiet space you could go into, sit down and relax. And it was nicer than other cons we've been at. Often you go into those and they're just your normal standard like banquet table, banquet chairs that all these convention halls have. And it wasn't. They were like actual comfortable chairs, little armchairs sitting around here. There was a large ottoman. They had small tables with snacks and drinks on. So you had sodas and water you could get, a variety of snacks, you know, everything from cookies to Slim Jims to pretzels to popcorn, like lots of different options of various things you could have had. You could come in, take a little break. They had places to charge and get a little snack and recharge and then go back out there. Let's not forget about those oatmeal cream pies. Yeah, they had bottles of water, they had a variety of sodas, and because of the way they limited the VIP and legendary passes, it was really nice because it's not like the space was overcrowded like it is at other cons we've been to. It was a good-sized space for the number of people who could utilize it, and I know that they also permitted GMs who were running games in there as well, which I thought was really nice because, you know, those folks are working hard and definitely deserve a free snack or 10. If you want to hear more about QuestCon directly from creators themselves, check out our bonus episode on the QuestCon Orlando creator interviews. John took some time to interview a wide variety of wonderful people from game designers to shop owners to comic creators. It's actually a really cool episode just talking with them directly on the floor. 
but it's awesome just to kind of hear what they have to say and let them talk about their game instead of us sitting here talking about all these RPGs and games that we did. I want to let them have their own voice to speak directly to you. So be sure to check that one out and learn more about those different offerings that were had there. Yeah, and that's a bonus episode, so it definitely will be longer than our normal kind of 20-ish minutes, and it will drop after this one. Yep, and it gets you a bonus one on the week, so you don't have to wait a week for that one. All right, let's talk final thoughts. John? I had a great time. There was a lot there, but with the full weekend, it wasn't overwhelming. I loved browsing the vendor hall. You know, I think it was a great year of growth and I cannot wait to see what next year is. And I've already got plans with plans with plans for next year. Yeah, I had a blast. I think the kids had a blast. It was a very sustainable scale up. I don't think they tried to go too big too fast. I think it was really well done. I love the new space. I love the, how huge the Wargaming and Lending Library area was. And my only request for next year would be more tables for the Lending Library to play at because there were a couple times we went in there, specifically Friday night and Saturday night, where we actually couldn't really find a table to play at because they were all full, which is awesome. But I am really looking forward to next year. The kids are looking forward to next year. I definitely think I will be playing some RPGs next year since I didn't get a chance to this year. We can't wait, and we hope to see you there in 2024. I'm your host, John Wiki, and you can find me on threads and Instagram as John underscore Wiki underscore games. That's W-I-C-K-E-E. And I'm Stevie, and you can find me on social media at Stevie's underscore games. Twenty Minute Tabletop is a more core studios production. Theme song by Arthur Rowan, more core art by Cedar Duncan. Do you want more tabletop gaming fun? Subscribe to 20 Minute Tabletop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like what you hear? Leave us a review while you're there or tell a friend. Find out more on our website, 20minutetabletop.com. That's the numbers 20minitabletop.com. Or connect with us on Twitter, threads, and Instagram as at 20minitabletop. At 20minitabletop. Thank you and roll with fortune. Collaborated to create a clue. Collaborated to create a clue. Alliteration. Collaborate.